Welcome back to all of our One World family. So glad to have you all back to share stories that make our One World a better place. And today we have Mike Forbes from Alter Echo Chocolates, and they are a fantastic company all about sustainability. So let's dive right into the conversation. So good to have you here, Mike. Would you mind telling us about how you came to make chocolate for a living? Great to chat with you and super excited to be a part of this podcast today. So thank you for having me. Chocolate's always been a part of my life, actually. And it's it's funny, I didn't realize it growing up. Uh, and, but looking back, my family definitely, we ate all of the foods. And so, um, you know, we definitely weren't one of those, you know, we're, we're sugar-free or this, that, the other thing. We ate everything. And in our cabinet uh, for dessert was a literally a five gallon bucket of ice cream, if you remember those, but it was filled with chocolate. And so I think I had a lot of chocolate at an early age, but actually not that much because having all that chocolate around, I learned, you know, to just take a little bit. And it wasn't a thing, whereas my friends were definitely in a different camp. They would come over and raid the number five bucket because they didn't get a lot of it at home. So, so chocolate started at an early age. And what really drew me to Alter Eco, I've, I've had a food career um, since I left college. Uh, and I've always been a fam, part of a family that loves food and talks about it constantly. Um, what, what got me fascinated about Alter Eco, I'm in this group called OSC2. And it is a group of uh, very progressive, naturally minded food executives who care about climate. And through part of through, when I was a member of that with another company, I met Matt and Ed, our founders, and they brought in a packaging uh, uh, lead one day to talk about this cool new project they were working at. And this was back in 2014 when nobody was talking about compostable packaging. And, and Gene comes in and starts to talk about this project of you can actually make a wrapper from tree bark and started showing us pictures of it composting in her garden. And she was literally doing some of the tests herself. And I was blown away by it because it really, the, it showed the DNA of the company is so strong towards doing everything better for people and planet. And um, I, I was so excited by the project that we, uh, my company actually at the time donated money to help see it through to completion. Uh, for those of you who know packaging, a small company doing big packaging research like that is a really, really big endeavor. And so I sort of fell in love with Alter Eco on that meeting. And uh, when when they were purchased a couple of years after that by a, a, a what's called an evergreen fund. And so the idea is they buy companies not to sell them, but to actually steward them and help their mission become a reality. And that the, the group is called Next World Evergreen. They bought the company, wanted to see it become bigger, but stay really, really true to its mission. And I got an opportunity because I knew the founders and I knew the the company that bought them to become the CEO and take over. And it's, it's been a really, it's been an honor to be here for the last three years. That's fantastic. What a cool story. So, you know, Alter Echo really has this mission where sustainability practices inspire what you do. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the mission is really even rooted in our founders' initial travel travels around the turn of the century when they were you know, in the Amazon and in places and seeing, you know, that the, the, they were seeing the impact of climate change. And they were also seeing that, um, you know, the, the chocolate bar that they were paying a lot of money for in, in Paris, you know, the, the farmer wasn't actually seeing much benefit from that. And so a core to our, our uh, ethos is that 
climate change and inequality are the two biggest challenges of the 21st century. Um, they are challenges that must be solved and they are linked together. And so everything we do is around this idea that we want to create a better way of doing business and making sure that everything we do benefits uh, people who make our product, the people who eat our product, and the planet that graciously provides it. And chocolate happens to be the way that we do that, but it's really about a broader mission and how we go forth and do that together uh, by building different relationships with farmers, by building better relationships with, with you know, people in the middle who are, you know, uh, helping make our product a reality and by going beyond the slogans to really educate and the public and the folks who eat our chocolate on, on how they can help make the world a better place. Absolutely. Because it really, you know, I often tell my kids, we vote with our dollars. So when we choose products that reflect, you know, the way we want to live our life and the way we want businesses to operate, it's really important that, you know, what your business is doing. And I love that idea of where you, when you're working with partners, you really want to understand um, how they're doing business and how they treat the people that work with them. Um, so tell us, you know, we're the only planet, this is the only world that has chocolate. And so how is chocolate right now threatened and impacted by climate change? There are a couple things happening. Um, and again, you know, back to the idea that climate change and inequality are linked, you know, number one, the, the climate is already, it's changing at the poles and it's, it's changing everywhere, but especially at the poles and at the equator. And, and there's a cacao belt that roughly is, you know, within 20 degrees of the equator where most of most chocolate comes from. And you can already see a lot of climate change happening there. And so, so I've seen an, we source in Ecuador, for example, uh, I've seen some studies that say the temperature there is already up two degrees Celsius. Uh, as deforestation happens and as climate change happens, uh, the water cycle's changing and cacao is a plant that likes water. And suddenly, and I was, when I was last in Ecuador, one of the things I noticed is land had been deforested and they were actually putting in drip irrigation for banana trees. And if you, you know, you know, drip irrigation is supposed to happen in places where there's no water, uh, not in an area that used to be a jungle. So as, as what we're seeing is this ecosystem is changing and it's becoming warmer and it's becoming drier and that's harder for the plant. And I've seen some estimates that like 70% of the regions that currently grow cacao will be unproductive for that plant uh, in the next 50 years. The other thing that's happening that's really important is around uh, the, the, the prices that are being paid for chocolate. And, you know, it's fundamentally not sustainable at like average market prices for that cacao farmer to make a living. And then that affects a whole other circle of things, right? And creates other climate destructive practices because if you can't make a living, then suddenly people are, you know, doing more deforestation to plant more crops and things like that. And so, you know, we do a bunch, everything from regenerative agriculture to just, you know, making a commitment to paying above fair trade premiums for the cacao uh, to help propel that farmer towards, you know, honoring the work that they do to grow the, grow the crop. And, uh, making it a more sustainable living for them and a sustainable uh, enterprise for the planet. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you can sometimes taste that in the chocolate. You know, you can really know that and savor it and enjoy it and feel good about um, that, that whole experience. And really, brands are about a whole experience. And I think that's one of the things that Alter Echo gets is that we're we are part of this planet. We are part of the solution. 
And we're, you know, we don't all need to do it perfectly, but we, all of us, if we do something imperfectly, that's how we get uh, and move this forward and bring solutions to the table. So tell us about the foundation. You have a foundation and it has an incredible mission to combat uh, climate change through agroforestry. Yeah, the the foundation was launched uh, really to further the goals of the company and create a movement that sort of even runs in and of itself and is bigger than Alter Eco could even create. And right now we're, we're focusing on something called regenerative agriculture, which we're really, really excited about. And um, can I take a little bit of time just to explain what that is for I, folks who are I think aware? it's really important because once that is shared, I think people see why it's so powerful and such a solution. Great. So regenerative agriculture, I think most folks have gotten used to the idea of a farm being something when you drive down the interstate you see like identical rows perfectly spaced of a crop and if you go and see our regenerative farms it's much different it's literally like walking into a rainforest and and there's there's a method to that what we actually have there's sort of four layers of crops or strata in in a regenerative ecosystem We've got these row crops. Those are sort of beans and peppers and, you know, kind of things you'd find in a typical garden. Then you see the cacao. That's sort of the second story. The third story is usually fruit trees like bananas or mangoes. Uh, People in science will remind me that banana is technically not a tree. Sorry, a banana plant. And uh, finally, there's an upper story of uh, of, uh, trees that are harvested every few years for lumber. And so this looks different than... Uh, your typical farm, but there's all these wonderful things that happen when you farm regeneratively. Uh, One, you know, the soil, actually the quality improves. It leaves the land better than it found it and it retains water more. There's more microbes, all the good things you want in soil, really healthy soil. There's more flora and fauna. There's more birds. There's more insects, all that great, great work. Um, Farmers are actually happier uh, because they're working in an ecosystem and it actually, once you get going, it becomes easier to take care of itself. And finally, um, they make more money uh, because they actually, you know, they have these great garden crops that they can eat, and then they've got more crops that they can go sell at market. And so what we're seeing, and again, it's back to this idea that regenerative, you know, climate change and inequality are the two biggest challenges of our time. Regenerative agriculture can actually fix both of them. Mm -hmm. It's better for the farmer and it's better for the planet. And, um, you know, so our foundation, what our foundation is doing is actively working to make regenerative more popular. And we envision a world where, you know, 50 years ago, 50 years from now, my daughter is going to assume that that's the normal way that people should farm. And, you know, so some of the things our foundation does is we actually provide seed money and grants um, to convert uh, our farm, to, to convert farmers, our farmers and others actually to regenerative practices. Uh, because there is a, a period where, you know, someone has to go in and plant these new trees and do things and, and, and get that started. And there's a cost to that. The second thing we do through that is we actually provide education and training, um, right? Because, you know, it's a different mindset to farm sort of a row of identical trees versus you've got bananas over here and cacao here and, you know, peppers over here. And so we actually teach folks how to do that. And we've gone down to Ecuador ourselves and even worked some of these plots. And, you, you know, you have to do things like trim trees at a certain time, so more sunlight can come in. You have to know when to harvest the different crops, all these different things. 
And our, our hope is, as we build out and, and what we're seeing, we're seeing that farmers are happier. We're seeing that farmers make more money. We're seeing tons of positive benefits in the soil. Our goal is to continue to expand this in cacao and in other crops so that it becomes the norm. Mm -hmm. It's really like working together and working with nature, not against nature. Completely. And, and not having this idea that I'm just going to take and not put back with the natural cycle. And also when soil is happy and it's covered, it reduces the temperature of the area. Yeah. They've, they've been doing studies that way. And I don't think people also get, you know, the impact agriculture has on the emissions yeah. and that whole cycle of, you know, just um, increasing the impact of the climate crisis. It's such a great point. One of the things our farmers talk to us about in, in the change, sort of the before after is, wow, I'm not so hot in the fields anymore. I'm working like under a shaded canopy and it's, I don't want to say cool, but it is, yeah. it is not the blazing hot sun down every day. And, and we see all these little things happen with temperature, with water retention and kind of keeping that rainforest uh, water cycle in, in effect. It really does. It's, a, it's an approach that leaves the earth as nice or nicer than we found it. And I think that's a big thing that needs to happen for us to reverse some of the unfortunate things that have happened to the planet in the last hundred years. Yeah. And I think that the thing is that we can feed the world using these practices. I mean, right now we're wasting upwards of 40% of our food. So if we're more mindful, more regenerative, and also creates a diversity instead of a monoculture, we're having a diversity of foods that we can enjoy um, and we're honoring this the natural cycle more and like you said it 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 actually in the end saves money you know and um, we get more from from that whole practice um, so tell us a little bit more about you know dynamic forestry and how that affects you know the, the quality of products and the nutrition of foods and just the whole you know growing process. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, that's a great question. What we have seen, uh, we feel as a you know, there's chocolate is a agricultural crop, and it's it's just like wine, right? Where soil and weather conditions and all these things affect the quality of maybe a glass of wine you drink. Uh, if if you try our blackout bar, like an eighty five percent cacao, it's it's a similar thing. And so what we're putting in place, and it's everything from the beans we use. We use heirloom. Um, beans that are kind of native to Ecuador, uh, Peru, and the Dominican Republic, so sort of where we, where we farm. And, you know, using these practices creates a healthier tree. And healthier trees in general produce more fruit, uh, the cacao fruit, and it's better tasting. And, and we really feel that you can taste, if, if you try Alter Rico and try sort of leading brands, so to speak, uh, you will taste the difference in the cacao and in the chocolate, and there will be a depth of flavor. Uh, you'll get some fun like blueberry notes, and then you'll get like a, a more complex finish. And that really is from how that plant was treated. A hundred percent. And I do a lot of presentations um, with schools about the climate crisis being a climate reality trained leader. And one of the ways that I connect with students is through chocolate. I talk awesome. to them about how climate change is impacting chocolate and that that's something that they can tangibly see and understand um, and care about. 
And so I guess for you, you know, when you, you know, um, talk about chocolate, do you tie in that story um, of how important it is to be a steward today? Like we can't do it in 10 years. We have to start today. Yeah. One of the things we talk about um, as a company and as we talk to, you know, people who, who are interested in our brand is it's easy to get kind of down on climate change and see all these models and just like, oh, you know, the world, it's predestined, it's already going to happen. I don't believe that. Uh, I fundamentally believe, and everyone in our company believes, if we do the right things, there's actually a brighter future ahead of us. And humanity does have this way of waiting until the last possible second to do things. (laughs) But then then we do, and then things get better. And I think you're starting to see some green shoots in different industries. Everything that's, you know, there's some news on more climate activists and some oil company boards to car companies coming out and saying, no, you know, 10 years from now, we're gonna have an all electric fleet. And, and we believe there's a lot of little things that anyone can start doing today. And your chocolate choice is definitely one of those, making the decision to compost one of our truffle wrappers because it's made from tree bark and you can do that is another thing. All of these things add up and make a difference. And you start doing it, your neighbor sees it and asks questions. I can't tell you how many times we've had folks over to the house and, you know, they start crinkling our truffle wrapper and it's a little different. Yeah. That's made from tree bark. You can compost that. And it starts a conversation with word of mouth. And so I think all of those things are super important to keep some positivity around. We can create good change that makes the planet better and we can convince uh, our friends and, and others to do the same. Absolutely. And that's why we came up with this podcast is it's, stories that make this one world better. That's what it's all about because there is a lot of hope and there's a lot of, when you love something, when you love it, you take care of it. And I think we need to really reconnect with that part of it and know that, you know, we've got that power where we can do small changes now and the solutions are really here. Um, And your company is an example of that is that, you know, you have, um, looked at your mission and looked at how you create the product and you are making those steps to be a good steward as much as you possibly can. And um, I'd love to hear more about, you know, being a B Corp and how that kind of drives the future of this company. That's great. We we love B Corp because again, our, our, our ethos is around looking at everything we do and trying to make it better um, from how we grow to you know, how we compensate farmers to how we're, you know, uh, getting product from here to there. And what's cool about B Corp is it actually, it's, it's the most comprehensive system I've seen to measure every step of the, that journey. And so they're looking at everything from, you know, um, our maternity and paternity leave partner policy, for example, yeah. right? And is that actually providing new moms and dads, you know, the, the flexibility they need to bond with their babies um, to, you know, are we, are we providing insurance? It's like a really holistic way of understanding everything we're doing to benefit everybody who's involved in our business. And we're really proud. We consistently not only are a B Corp, but score in their best for the planet rankings, which is kind of like I think top 10% or something like that. And love that because it does show our, dedication to really doing everything better, even some of the things that people might not notice or give us credit for, so to speak. Um, you know, we, we think 
think that all of these pieces of the puzzle are important. They all work together. Uh, they make happier employees. They make a better business. They make a better planet. They make better chocolate. And so we're, we strive to, to be a leader in the B Corp front. Absolutely. And I think just by you going that way, other companies can look at you and, you know, you being an executive, you can talk to your other peers and say, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we, we can be an example of uh, what other companies can move towards because even this idea of regenerative agriculture, if we apply it to our business, if we're thinking about what we put in yeah. and what we give back and what we get out, out yeah. of it is just, it, you know, capitalism isn't the only way to run a company. You know, you can be a profitable company, but also be a good steward of the planet. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's our goal is to show we can do all of that. And I think if we have, yes, government will play part of the solution, but I think there's also some challenges to that, right? You know, we have to wait for maybe a filibuster proof majority or a whole bunch of elections to work out. And, you know, there's a lot that needs to happen there. So I, I think we can't wait for government to be the entire solution. Um, business can be a force for good. It should be a force for good. And so that's a spot where we really want to lead the way in everything we do. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I think even some of the surveys that have come out when the people are asked, you know, is it Congress, our president, you know, our local government or business, business ranks really high in people's minds as the, you know, the, the groups that need to be taking more action to address climate change. Um, and so I, I think it's just so great to have, you know, run into a company that is doing that every day. Thank you. Yeah. Now, um, this is kind of a question we ask a, a lot of, um, you know, the people that we get to talk to when they're doing so many amazing things for our planet. But, you know, we have this one world in common. So for you, what are some of the ways that you truly see us trying to change our one world for the better? What are a couple of ways that just are top of mind for you? Oh, gosh. Um, there's so many. They all, to me, come under the idea of just be an active citizen. And, you know, there, there's so many things that fall under that, that I think are little things. Um, and maybe you can't do them all, but think about a few that you can do. And that's everything from being really informed on what's happening locally, uh, your, your local news, being a good neighbor. Uh, it starts in your community, uh, planting trees, planting a garden, knowing where your food comes from, the most important choice I think we all make uh, for ourselves and for the planet is the food we put in our body. It's like food you put in the body and how you get to work uh, are two big ones. And, you know, the, the food piece you put in your body is, it's, I think it's 25% of greenhouse emissions are from agriculture. And so, you know, buying locally, uh, thinking about your plant meat mix, those sorts of things are, are big changes that you can make and vote. Um, be involved in politics, uh, understand the issues that are happening, advocate for the folks you believe in. You know, I think those things to me all kind of come up to the idea of being like a community involved, uh, active citizen. And I think if we have more folks like that, we're going to have a much better world in 50 years. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I've learned in my, you know, uh, climate journey, if you will, is to get more involved. Um, I regularly meet with my member of Congress. I regularly meet with our city council. It's, it's, it takes a while. Um, sometimes it's, you know, um, 
years before they get on board with some of the legislation that needs to happen. But, you know, they want to hear from their citizens and for citizens not to be afraid or jaded um, to connect with their local officials. And that it's easy, as easy as picking up a phone or emailing them and saying, I'd love to sit down with you and talk to you about the issues that I care about and what's going on in my community. So I love that, the idea of an active citizen. And it doesn't take too much time. And there's a couple things you could do. I mean, we even did uh, for Earth Day, we did a check your eco challenge, which was just a really cool, simple way to answer 10, 15 questions. And you understand it sort of displayed it back. And if everyone lived like you, it would take three Earths worth of resources or something like that. And it was super illuminating, right? Because even little things like that, it was, oh, wow, you know, my water use is not necessarily what I'm doing in my garden. It's the indirect water usage whenever I choose to do all of these other things. And so really gave me um, some great ideas on how I can think about traveling differently, for example, even taking more local vacations, that makes a difference. And uh, there's a whole bunch of things like that that I think can be like simple data-informed decisions that you can do for yourself, you can show others, and you can advocate for with, with our community leaders. And, and that will take us to a better place. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you um, have, it seems like you have partnerships with, you know, local groups and local organizations. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, there's, there's a few things we do both, you know, with our farmers and locally. And so there's a group we work with called Planting Justice uh, in the East Bay. And you know, planting is all around trees and greenery and things like that. And there's also justice, which is around how they how they work. They hire folks who've been recently incarcerated, help bring them back into the workforce. And so we work with them monetarily. We also uh, work with them person hours by volunteering and doing things like that. And it's a, it's a great way to support a worthy cause, right? Because again, inequality and climate change are the two big challenges and getting people uh, a leg up is helpful um, in, in alleviating that and planting more trees is helpful. And so I think we love how Planting Justice does both and it's a great group to work with. We will have to have a conversation with them. I know you will make that possible. Now you're a dad as well. So tell us about the future that you're hoping for your kids. Oh, wow, that's a great question. You know, first of all, it's so wonderful to see. My daughter's eight. And uh, Sheila, we, we chalked in the driveway on Sunday and, and all of her messages were climate related. Mm-hmm. And it's really inspiring to me to see uh, the energy and activism in the, uh, in the next generation coming up uh, to the point where we're going to see grandpa and grandma in Colorado this summer. We're actually taking a train. And that was in part my daughter's suggestion of, you know, geez, how much should we fly dad? And so my hope is, is we make enough progress and plant enough seeds to solve this climate challenge that it is not an entire burden on the next generation. And, and I think about the next few years of my life is doing as much as we can to get things moving in the right direction so my daughter doesn't have and, and her classmates don't have to do all the heavy lifting themselves. Absolutely. I'm very excited for this generation. And I think they already at a very young age, you know, love this planet and are all about um, making sure that um, we have a livable planet for the future. And I just love that there are solutions and that there are companies like you. And I love chocolate, honestly. And and um, what I love about your chocolates is that I can have one truffle and I'm just so happy. 
<laughs> after it. And I feel good about it. And I know that um, I've, you know, supported something that is supporting regenerative farming in a better world. Thank you. And we love what you're doing with this podcast, because I think everything we can do to keep momentum going and to educate folks on things that they can do and, and even convey that message that, hey, there's hope out there. And if we do the right things and we act together, it's actually going to be quite a bit of fun and it's going to make a difference. It really is going to be fun. I mean, can you think about having a great time planting and, you know, having your own garden and, and connecting with other neighbors to make something happen and have that kind of legacy is just, you know, fantastic. That's what I, I love about this, um, this work too. So awesome. we're so happy to have you, Mike, on our show today. And we hope that you'll come back with us and um, bring we some We will do that. We will, we will have a chocolate food. <laughs> That sounds fantastic.